Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Summit Podcast. Today, we're going to be answering some more questions, but this time, instead of answering all of my coworkers' questions, we're going to be answering some of your questions. And by you, I mean the people who use Quora. And hopefully, next time, we'll get to uh, maybe using Reddit. And if you have any suggestions, or if you'd like to specifically comment on our YouTube channel and ask us questions, we would be honored to answer those questions as well. But let's go ahead and get into it. So, curious though, uh, Paparazzi, have you ever used Quora? I never. Do you know, you know what it is? I never even heard of it. Actually. Really? <laughs> I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I've heard of Quora, but I've never really used it until recently. Mm. I have found it to be a really useful tool to kind of improve my communication skills in terms of writing. Okay. Because the whole thing about Quora is that you ask and answer questions. That is literally all you do. It's kind of like Yahoo questions or something like that. Yahoo answers. Or yeah, basically. So you can create your own account. You can ask as many questions as you want. People will answer them. And at the same time, you can go out and answer other people's questions and, and so on and so forth. And you kind of build your reputation that way, like as being either the dude who answers so many questions and or the way he answers it is really unique, you know, mm. however it may be. So let's go ahead and get into some topics. <clears throat> now, which one would you like to do first? We have writing stories, it's kind of more my area. Uh, business, we have podcast, people, relationships, or study habits. Uh, let's do let's do study habits. Study habits, all right. That's a good one. This one has 2.3 million people following this group. Hmm. Okay, let's try this question. <laughs> How much sleep do students need? How much sleep do students need? All right, so I would say... Depends, uh, obviously, depends on where, uh, what grade you're in. Like, mm. if you're in college, you're probably going to need more sleep because you're going to be taking in more. Uh, if you're in, like, elementary school doing, like, basic elementary mm -hmm. stuff, then you probably don't need as much sleep. Plus, you're younger, yeah. so you don't need as much sleep. Older people in college need more sleep. Uh, I think doctors or professionals, which is not me, would probably tell you, like, eight hours. Yeah, um... I, again, I'm not a doctor in this regard whatsoever, but I have heard from Andrew Huberman that generally eight hours of sleep is like the maximum. You mm -hmm. should not go over eight hours. Usually seven hours is what I give myself mm -hmm. on, a, on a good day. Yeah. I usually um, do about three to four hours a day. Yeah. 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 You're, you're probably what they call the sleepless elite. <laughs> it, it's like legitimately a, a scientific study where yeah. there is a specific amount of people in the world who are still at peak performance but only require about four hours of sleep today a day and can still maintain that whereas other people who can do that but they will gradually diminish right mm. they'll go down and go down until they actually get that full eight hours or you know whatever it is mm. the big question here also is or like the underlining thing is not necessarily how much sleep you get but how much deep sleep you get mm. and maybe that's why it works for you because generally the amount of hours of deep sleep you get, I think you need a minimum of four to mm. be fully productive. So maybe you're one of those people who just like, as soon as you lay down, Hit room sleep immediately. Yep, you immediately go into that and you're out and you wake up and the whole thing, you know? So I don't know, but I have heard a lot of stories or a lot of studies that have done it. Of course, my son is five years old. He gets up at the crack of dawn like me and he's fully energized. 
he does go to bed around 8 o'clock, 8.30. So he sleeps longer than I do. But And maybe that's a thing. But I have heard that teenagers usually require like the most amount of sleep. So when you hit that uh, 13 and up to 18, maybe even to the 20s, mm-hmm. uh, that's when they start, I guess, needing more sleep. I don't know if they actually need more sleep. They probably just don't get good quality sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to do with their overall habits. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with uh, the fact that teenagers are more active than most uh, yeah. uh, young kids. Uh, they're actually really active like toddlers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So obviously the more calories you burn, the more your body's going to want to sleep. So That is fair. Yeah, so once you get older and you start to slow down and working desk jobs and you know things like that, then you don't burn as much energy, therefore you don't need that much rest to, mm-hmm. to recoup. A fair assessment. Okay, let's get to the next question. So we'll do, I think, maybe two or three, maybe four questions depending on the topic before we move on to another topic. So... This next one is, what do you do if you can't study? What do you do if you can't study? Mm-hmm. Uh, rest, maybe? Rest, that's yeah. a good one. So, I, it, it really, again, depends. Everything really depends on right. something else, but it d- depends on why you can't study. Like, mm-hmm. are you stressed? Maybe figure out your stressors and solve that. Um, maybe you can't focus. Mm-hmm. Figure out why you can't focus. Are you too tired to focus? Or are you... Um, uh, overwhelmed by the tasks that you need to study, or that could be is, it, is it like too daunting, maybe, maybe too boring? Maybe you need somebody to help you study because it, you maybe need that motivation. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes because we always t- say discipline over motivation, but like when it comes to studying, you need a lot of motivation too. That is true. Yeah. So it really depends on why you can't study. So <clears throat> I think that's a really good point. Again. These questions are a little bit vague. I think they should be a little bit more specific because, Mm -hmm. again, uh, what do you do if you can't study? What is the reason you cannot study? Right. That's that's the the big underlying question is what is stopping you from studying? So in my history, I have had many issues where I not necessarily studying, but like doing homework. But part of it was studying, right? Writing essays and not resumes, but essays for my college degree. And there were times when I'm like trying to read and research and I just like go completely blank, right? I'm like, yeah. I don't know what I'm looking at. Or times when I'm writing and I don't know what to write and I sit there for 10 minutes staring at the little uh, cursor blinking constantly telling me like write something. And what I have done, there's a couple of ways to do it. Uh, again, this is not a one, uh, one size fits all solution. This is simply what works for me. Recently, what I have found, what works for me is creating an environment where I can get work done. So, like, as you can see, this is my office. You can't see the whole thing because I don't want to show you and it's not done. But generally in this office, there is nothing that I can do here except for work, podcast included. Right. Like I have a a YouTube uh, account on my computer. But it's not my personal. It is the Summit YouTube podcast. Yeah. So right? just no distractors. Exactly. So I come in here and I can't do anything but work. And then I do not allow, allow myself to leave until I can at least do something. Mm-hmm. That's the first one. Yeah. Also, with that being said, mm-hmm. um, to, to tag, tag on to that, um, how you dress at work 
can help like how you dress at work and also how you dress at school mm-hmm. they make you wear uniforms so that you can focus and you yeah. don't have to worry about who's got the best J's because you're all wearing the same thing that is actually so, an interesting topic I didn't, I didn't consider yeah. that yeah. so with that being said you can come into your study area mm-hmm. dressed properly because you don't want to be dressing like, uh, like I got sweatpants on because I'm you know in relaxed mode but like if I'm going to study I might not want to be too relaxed. I don't want to get um, in sweatpants, got like a, a robe on, and I got like a blanket over me. <laughs> that like would pass out, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I might want to dress, you know, maybe wear some jeans. And it, it sounds weird to like dress up at your house, but like if something that you wear can put you to sleep, mm-hmm. then maybe avoid that. You know? I, I'll be honest, that doesn't sound weird at all. Yeah. Like when I come in here to write stories, I'll usually write, I'll wear something maybe a little bit more relaxed. But mm-hmm. when I come in here to develop like business plans or like edit videos, mm-hmm. I will at minimum wear like a collared shirt, like a yeah. polo shirt. Yeah. Because it gets me in the mindset of like, exactly. I'm professional, I must do professional things, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. But yeah, believe it or not, the, the saying that clothes maketh the man is like legitimately a thing. Yeah. So right? like if you work in an office space, you may wear like professional attire, but then like on, on free, what's freestyle friday or whatever they yeah, call yeah. it then you can wear whatever you want and usually you act different mm-hmm. and you might think that you're acting different because it's friday but it's usually because of yeah, the, the fact that you're wearing more the environment um, has changed <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so another thing that i have done before and this is one that i'm kind of guilty of using a lot uh because i have been a bit of a procrastinator in a lot of my life but thankfully i've kind of been able to mitigate that using uh an environment right but there is this thing have you ever heard of um Parkinson's law. I've heard of Parkinson's disease. Not yeah, that, I, knew, right? I knew you were going to say <laughs> that. Yes. So I do believe it's from the same individual. Mm-hmm. And Parkinson's law states that the amount of time it takes to complete a task is the amount of time you give yourself. Mm-hmm. So if I say uh, before the week is over, I'm going to edit and, and upload all my videos, mm-hmm. then it will take me one week to do so. Yeah. But if I say I'm going to do it today, then it will take me today. Yeah, that's basically like the me- the mindset mentality mm-hmm. of a wage worker. Oh, yeah. Basically. So if you go to work and you get paid by the hour mm-hmm. and you get an hour to do a task, you're going to take that hour to do that task. Yep. But if, you, uh, if you're working for yourself or, you know, you're not basically working for somebody else, then you're going to do things as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you can try utilizing both of those. I would recommend utilizing an environment more because... Despite that, you may be able to finish a task within a given amount of time. So if you're one of those people who procrastinate and is like, hey, I got to write this three-page or ten-page essay in two hours, I'm going to do it. And you do it, but is it really good is the question, right? You may not have any time for revision or things Mm -hmm. like that. So getting it done is all well and good, but doing it well is what's really important. Yeah. And also, as far as um, the Parkinson's law, Mm -hmm. I think that goes into other aspects of life, too. For example, um, humans... We think that, well, if we're taught that something is a limit, we work to that limit. For example, before the first guy ran the marathon, we thought we could only run so far mm-hmm. as humans. But then the guy who ran the marathon broke that barrier like crazy. Mm-hmm. And now we run marathons all the time. Yeah, yeah. And then do. you think, okay, well, maybe the marathon is the, the human extent. Because I think the guy who did it died afterwards. So it's like, okay, oh. maybe that's the extent of <laughs> humans abilities and then you got like david goggins who runs like three or four marathons back to back to back Mm -hmm. without stopping so then it's like what is the limit so uh, we um, grow up being preached to like what limits are in life Mm -hmm. in in every aspect of life and then we just we live our life 
trying to get halfway to that limit or all the way to that limit and stop. But, you know, some people, the extraordinary people in the world, they don't look at those limits. They just keep going until they can't go any longer. Yeah, that's another way to look at it. Okay, let's go ahead and do one more question in this study habit category. Uh, Okay. These are basically the same questions, but uh, one of them is a little bit more in-depth, so we'll do that one. How many hours should we study per day? Does not taking proper rest during weekends or after class ends affect our studies? So, yes, you should take rest days, and if you do not, it will absolutely destroy your brain, Mm. right? It's not like taking cocaine will destroy your brain, but your ability to function cognitively will like go down if you do not rest you cannot because if you've ever heard this uh the saying i don't know if it's a saying but i think it's more of a scientific study that we lose 50 percent of all the information we've like absorbed throughout the day like the following day 50 percent or even more depending mm-hmm. of what you have learned is completely forgotten mm. so, on average on yeah. average yeah but if you're overstudying then it could be even more yeah yeah so it could be like you can lose like 80 percent if you're studying if you study like the entire dictionary and try to say a whole dictionary like an hour, you're mm-hmm. only going to retain like 20% of that. Yeah, it's yeah. very likely. Yeah. And even that, like, I don't even know how long it would take for somebody to learn the entire dictionary from, you know, cover to cover. Mm-hmm. It could take months because there's hundreds of thousands of words in there. And, and a good example for that you know, out here in Japan, like trying to study another language. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, you can learn different phrases and whatnot, but you're going to forget a lot of that yeah. throughout the day. Um, yeah. So no, take mean, breaks. Take breaks when you can. Yeah, uh, that's that's the first one, right? Take take some breaks. I think. What, what do you think? What do you think is a pretty decent amount of time for studying? Uh, again, again, that depends on the person. Well, let's uh, say for you. For, well, and also the subject, because yeah. if it's something I really enjoy, mm. I can study that for a long time. Like, that is a very good point. And. Um, and I like Marvel comics, and I, mm. I'm not necessarily studying Marvel comics, but if I, I do like to learn a lot of the fact, not you know, learn a lot of the information, the different characters and stuff, and I can study that. I guess you could say study that mm. for hours and hours and hours and retain all of that because yeah. I just really enjoy that. That's all. But like, if one. I'm doing like quantum physics, <laughs> I probably do like ten minutes of study right. and retain probably like two percent. You know, mm. so it really, it really depends on how invested you are mentally. In mm. it. That is a good point. I have noted, like for me, I'm a big Final Fantasy fan mm-hmm. or like video game fan. So the things that happen in those games, I remember to this day, like mm-hmm. almost word for word in text and like effect of everything that happens. Whereas if I were to study, you know, the Pythagorean theorem again that I learned in high school, mm-hmm. I, I can't even be honest. I, I mean, I can be honest. I can't even tell you what, what it is anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't remember those things. So the first thing I will tell you is that the the saying if you don't use it you lose it mm-hmm. that is legitimately true because mm-hmm. i did study J- japanese for many years and my japanese language was quite good but i haven't used it for maybe five years because my wife is japanese but she speaks english to me mm-hmm. so i haven't been able to utilize that like train that muscle and now it has diminished my ability to remember kanji and and certain katakana is not as good as it used to be yeah, i'm i'm the same way with spanish like yeah. back when i was in the states i was like kind of learning spanish mm-hmm. um then i came here and i never yeah. hear spanish ever so that's I, the same yeah yeah I, so i can like i can kind of understand when i hear it mm-hmm. and you know i can uh, remember a few words for once in a while but like it's i can feel it just falling out of my brain yeah 
So in terms of studying, let's say this. If the topic is something you enjoy, then are you really studying if you're having fun, right? Because you, you could just be learning all these good things, and that's great. But let's just assume that it's a topic that you do not like. Mm. I think that the minimum amount of time you should study is, I think the... the I think you should go off a of feel, really. That's one way yeah. to do it. So, like, study until you feel like you just can't learn anymore, until mm. you feel like you just need a break. Because, honestly... Um, Again, if you really enjoy it, you're not going to want to stop. But if, yeah. you, if it's like really difficult, maybe really hone in on one part of it, like mm-hmm. one, like 10% of it, and then take a break. And when you come back to it, kind of um, quiz yourself. See how much you remember. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Because yeah. there's a lot of things like I've done in my life. Like I did mechanics, and I don't really like mechanics, mm-hmm. but I learned it. And when, when I was doing it, I, I always felt like I didn't know enough. But then mm-hmm. when I got out of it, years later... I'm reta- I'm like recalling information that I learned maybe once or twice because mm-hmm. um, the things that you forget have fallen off years later. So now all I know is what I know, you know, instead of things that are in my short term memory. I get yeah. that. So brains are like computers, and if you ever played a video game, you know that if let's say there's a lot of flowers on the screen, there's a lot mm-hmm. of enemies on the screen, what's going to happen? It's going to start to lag, right? Yeah. It's not going to be able to process all that. Eventually, it just crashes. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening to your brain. Like if you try to input a bunch of information, you're going to start lagging. You're, gonna start, you're not going to retain a lot of that information, and it's going to just, just gonna crash. Yeah, I get that. So one study technique that I have heard about, I haven't actually used this because by the time I found out about this thing, I've already finished school. I mean, I could always go back. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, utilizing this technique when I find a, a, a topic or thing that I want to learn because it makes me better, but it, it's not really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think it's called like the one minute rule where you literally read, you can time yourself, you study for about one minute and then mm-hmm. you stop, right? And then you see how much of that information you can retain. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you do it a minute again. And eventually you'll get to the point where it's like, I remembered everything I read for a minute. Let's go a little bit beyond that. Let's do a minute in 10 seconds or two minutes or three minutes or mm-hmm. four minutes. And next thing you know, you can get up to, you know, two, three hours of studying and being able to retain. Now, there's a lot of, of things that you study that probably won't pertain to what you need to answer, right? You can read an entire book and depending on what your homework assignment is, you might only utilize 10 to 20% of that entire book, mm-hmm. right? So that's the other big thing is find the important key things that need to be studied and then study that. But if you need to just like get through a book and do a review on it overall, try that. Do like a minute, take a break, come back, see how much you remember, and then continuously push that boundary until you can study for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And again, pick out the key things. Obviously, take notes while you study so you can kind of refresh yourself so you don't actually have to go read the entire book all over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just one. There's, I'm sure there's plenty more out there, but I'm not a like study guru. Or yeah, I'm that. a crammer. I cram and I just memorize <laughs> everything. So I can like memorize an entire chapter in like an hour and then retain it for a couple of days and yeah. pass the test that's how i got through school yes yeah. that's, that's my method yeah it's kind of the same yeah a lot bit. of it i can still retain like if i actually cared about it i could still retain it to this day but yeah. if not then i could just cram it remember memorize everything word from word page to page and then just brain dump it after the test mm. but yeah there's different ways of studying like you were saying um you do like one minute whatever yeah um you can and 
when you come back from that one minute, you can see how much you retain. And there's ways of doing that. You, mm -hmm. you can write out what you think that you know, yeah. and then you know, you know, line that up with the actual text and see how much of it you know and it, how much you forgot. Also, writing it down helps out. So there's three different types of people who three different types of learners or learning styles there's haptic there's auditory and there's verbal right so you need to figure out what type of person you are a lot of schools a lot of teachers like to do everything the same across the board which yeah. is really bad I think um, and I think what you need to do if you're a teacher is to learn your students if they're auditory haptic or uh, verbal or you can teach in a style that fits all of them yeah because for example I don't care to take notes like as far as PowerPoint presentations and believe me and I'm pretty sure everybody who's watching this probably been to school before probably knows what a PowerPoint presentation is they have a thing called death by PowerPoint yeah where they show you slide after slide and they're like take notes and some teachers will just be so lazy they just make a PowerPoint and then after like three minutes they'll click a button they won't even read the PowerPoint they yeah. won't explain anything they'll just click a button they're like alright everybody done click next page and then mm -hmm. we're just all writing it's a quiet room everybody's just writing what's on the board and I'm just about to fall asleep I don't remember anything I'm writing mm -hmm. and I try to explain it to the teacher I'm like ask them if they can explain it to us maybe um, do something else but all we do is just write notes the whole time and I don't remember anything mm -hmm. because that's just not my style nah, I get that I get that alright so hopefully that was a pretty good answer to your question now let's go ahead and change topics so let's go back to our little list we have Relationships, people, podcast, business, and uh, writing or stories. Sure, people. People, all right. People for 500, Alex? Yeah, right. <laughs> so this one is followed by about 600,000 people. It's not as popular, huh? People not as like popular. Because people. Yeah. people want to study, right? They don't care about each other, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start from the top. Why do brilliant people have bad handwriting? That's a good question, and uh, I don't know if I'm brilliant, but I have bad handwriting. <laughs> and I guess because for me, I can only speak for myself, and I'm not saying I'm brilliant, but I uh, I do have bad handwriting. Uh, the reason why I have bad handwriting is because I, I write fast, I think fast, mm -hmm. I think a lot. So um, ideas are fleeting, and if you don't hurry up and get them down, you could lose it. Yeah. And honestly, to be uh, to be honest with you, writing for me sometimes stops my thoughts mm -hmm. because now I'm reading what I'm writing yeah. instead of thinking what I'm thinking. So I have to hurry up and just scribble it out and not read it while I'm doing it and then I can get the full thought out. Because yeah. if I'm writing every word one at a time, real neat and whatnot, I'm reading what I'm writing and then that flow of consciousness mm -hmm. stops. I've had that before where I'm like coming up with a with an idea to write a story mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, this is the, the basic synopsis right like boy meets girl boy mm. falls in love with girl right not exactly but and all of a sudden i'm like wait i i had it at the tip of my what, tongue what, like, what, was next? what was the climax or like yeah. what was the the big yeah. reveal uh and you ever it, had like those shower thoughts like you're in the shower and, and then just, like, you just think of this beautiful story like everything's perfect you like, get out and you lose yeah, it yeah yeah you <laughs> lose it like i had that all the time because like i do like coding and whatnot sometimes yeah. so I like to think of story stories for video games and, and different pathways and mm -hmm. different op, uh, options and whatnot. And I'm thinking of this beautiful game and this story and all these different pathways. And when I'm talking about pathways, I mean, I have to memorize mm -hmm. what happens if you say yes, what happens if you say no. So I'm memorizing this web of um, options. And then I get out and I forget it. But not only if I get out of the shower, but like if I even try to write it down, 
and I forget everything. Yeah. Because I'm stopping the flow of consciousness. So I, sometimes people, it's better for people to just um, have an audio recorder. That's what I do. Yeah. Like I, because I've also had a situation where I'm writing down a thought, like an idea, and then as I'm writing it down, my idea changes. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, no, let's do this, and then I'm like, but then I go back to read it, and it's like, this is not what I originally thought. Like, what mm-hmm. was what was my first idea about? So I have gotten to the point where. I wish I actually had like just a recorder, but I get my phone out and I'll just like slip it, push the button to record and I'll just like speak in my car out loud. Mm-hmm. That way it just picks up whatever I'm saying. Yeah. And then like, oh, a story about uh, so-and-so with aliens and God and they fight and Godzilla yeah. and whatever, right? And even then, even when I say it out loud, sometimes I kill the, the flow of consciousness. Really? So this it's like, it's, it's in my head. And if I can just get something neural neural link or something yeah then, and it just spits it out as i'm thinking it because if i hear it or if i see it it stops the flow of consciousness mm-hmm. so it's really hard for me to like take down good ideas but you could just like put a microchip in your yeah. brain just, <laughs> just automatically yeah, exactly. download it's kind of like a it's like a, it's like a dream yeah because you wake up and you almost immediately forget your dream yeah. sometimes while you're trying to explain your dream or think of your dream again you're forgetting it they have done training for that. I think it's uh, like dream journaling, but I'll be honest, man, it sounds so difficult because mm-hmm. you have to, if while you're having a dream, you have to literally wake up in the middle of your dream and write down what you were dreaming about and then try to go back to sleep and re and recreate that dream. The yeah. whole purpose is to kind of be able to completely master your dream, like inception style, where you yeah. can just like it's make... It's funny that right? you say that because um, last week I was actually talking to a friend and the whole week we were talking about lucid dreaming. And we go into like an entire dialogue right. about it. And really? Yeah, we should actually um, do that as a topic. If we're, uh, yeah, I think that'd be kind of fun. Because it's, it it's a lot of information with that, yeah. <laughs> so to answer your question, uh, the reason why we have bad hat writing is because, at least as far as we can tell, I do have bad hat writing, by the way. I didn't say that I did, but I do. <laughs> I have been practicing, and I'm a little bit better in terms of cursive because I like old school and vintage style stuff, so that's what I do. Mm-hmm. But my handwriting normally is pretty terrible, and I do think it's something similar along the lines where when I'm trying to, I think faster than I can write. Exactly. And because of that, I will sometimes try to get the words down as quickly as possible so that I can immediately keep up with my brain, exactly, which yeah. is impossible. Because if you go too slow, you forget. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or so, even if it's like something that you're supposed to write, like if I was writing something like on the board, I will look at it and I'll write it and I'll look at it and I'll write it, but I have to keep repeating the same thing over and over and over and it becomes monotonous to me. Mm-hmm. But even still, I can't keep up with how fast my brain thinks of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why like my hand is controlled by my mind. But the problem is that your mind is working. Yeah, my, it, it, yeah, it moves too quickly, and I think that could be one of the reasons. Yeah, you could train yourself, of course, uh, but personally, there's no bad reason to have. Or there's nothing wrong with having bad handwriting, so yeah. long as you can read it, yeah. right? And I'm left-handed, so writing was not invented for me. Oh, so you're also naturally. <laughs> yeah, I'm creative. writing. I'm writing like. Yeah, I can imagine because yeah. I've heard about that word because you have to write this way. Yeah, I'm writing so you're just stuff, yeah. writing over your hand, right? I, I should just write like Arabic or something. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to. It'd be better if I was right-handed. I'm a, I'm ambidextrous, but I'm obviously not as fluent with my right hand. Right. And I don't I don't like writing. Period. Like physically writing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I'm just not as good with my right hand. I get you. Okay, here's one. This one's a little bit personal, but we'll go ahead and answer it, I guess. Who is the most influential person in your life? Hmm. Uh, my answer? Mm-hmm. Kind of a lame answer, but I am my own influential person. Mm-hmm. I, 
I compete against myself all the time because, mm-hmm. like, there's a, I always have this voice in my head, and this voice is better than me. This voice is uh, smarter, faster, everything better than me, mm-hmm. and I got to be better than the voice, you know. So I'm always influencing myself, and, and again, my thoughts are always racing. So it's almost as if I have like a, a group of friends in the room with me all the time because mm-hmm. I'm always thinking, and I don't just think biasly. I think critically. So I think that's what makes me uh, a good leader too, actually, is because I don't just think based on my morals. So I think about, I put my feet in other people's shoes, basically. So um, if I'm doing something, I'm let's say I'm working out, I'm like, oh man, like kind of like David Goggins, he's like, yeah. he calls himself fat and he, he like really ridicules himself and whatnot. And I kind of do the same thing. Like if I'm doing something, I'm pointing out the thing that's wrong, the mm-hmm. thing that people don't want to talk about. You know? right. And I'm, I'm constantly doing that. So I feel like I'm my own inspiration. In my own I don't motivation. think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a great thing because the whole point, again, of the summit is to be the best version of yourself, right? And I know that that version of me exists out there somewhere, maybe in some alternate universe, mm-hmm. or maybe he's just, you know, six months in the future, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> I see that person every night before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. And I always imagine him and what is different about him in comparison to me. And mm-hmm. that is like, it's an, inf- because, you know, I see that person and I'm like, okay, he's a great motivational speaker. He's a good person. He's a great father. He's a great husband. He's amazing content creator he gives and he gives and he gives you know that's the kind of person that i want to be and that person does exist he's just not here yet Mm -hmm. but he will be but if i had to pick somebody that wasn't myself it would most likely be uh, dr simon sinek i learned about him primarily when i was doing my master's degree in leadership and i'll be completely honest i did that degree simply because i heard it was easy and I was like, okay, learning to talk to people sounds cool, right? And I want to get a degree in leadership because if I have that, I'm more likely to be promoted to a leadership position. Lo and behold, I don't really care about being a manager in some other buddy's company because I want to start my own business, right? Mm. So, but even still, if you want to have your own business, you got to know how to lead people. Mm. But the reason I like Dr. Simon Sinek is because he really turned leadership on its head for me in terms of perspective because, you know, being exposed to the Marine Corps leadership was a lot of yelling and screaming and like ridiculing people even though there were some outliers some good ncos and staff ncos who legitimately cared about me and things like that but it was difficult for me to accept their leadership style because they didn't get anywhere near as far as the ones who you know were bosses which by the way we have an episode on leaders and bosses you can check that out yeah so But Dr. Simon Sinek, being who he is, talked about how leadership is important because it's not about the leader. It's about, you know, the group of people that is in the leader's charge. And he does know a little bit about business and things like that. And I was I really like the way he talks about people. And so I watched his stuff like religiously. Mm. And he has been probably the forefront of of influence in terms of what I wanted to be in terms of a leader. Mm. So that's probably the most influential person in my life would be Dr. Simon Sinek. And Alex? Well, Alex from Mosey is also another one. Yeah. He kind of just came out of nowhere. His was mm. one of those uh, serendipitous moments because I had, it was maybe two or three months before I lost my job. And I saw a couple of his videos on YouTube and I was like, who is this guy? You know, like he's 
weird looking dude. Not really weird, but he's really like I thought he was a trucker. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't look like what he is. Yeah, like I thought he was a trucker because he's got like the flannel shirt and super long beard. Just like holistic medicines or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, whatever. He's not nobody important. And then I started seeing some shorts. Right, the shorts are what kind of got me into it. And I was like, oh, this dude seems to know about business a little bit. And then he was like talking about his philosophies and, you know, his seasons of no and like how your season of earning versus your season of learning. And you also put a different perspective of like sometimes you do a job that you don't get paid as much, but it's a lot more fun and you learn more from it mm-hmm. is better than working a crappy job you hate and you get paid more, but you don't really grow in terms of anything from it. Yeah. So I learned a lot from him. He has been a big inspiration in terms of my development as an entrepreneur. Uh, so, but I still think I'd have to give it to Dr. Simon Sinek. Although Alex is a pretty close second, and then Mr. Ray Dalio as well. His, his book on principles is a long read, but uh, it's a good one, which we'll do a review on that later on. So that's the uh, second question. Let's see what else do we have here. Oh, this could be interesting. All right, this is also a little bit personal. What is it that you find most attractive about people? What do I find most attractive about people? Intelligence. Mm-hmm. Just the average, everyday person. I think intelligence and uniqueness. That's what I find attractive about people. Yeah. Cause I don't like, I don't like clones. I don't like clones. idiotic clones. <laughs> right. So for me, I won't kid anybody obviously looks do matter to me in a certain number in a certain regard right i think looks are important initially because that's kind of what kind of gets you to initiate a conversation with somebody right to see if they're a fit so i guess but that's not what keeps me there yeah so i I, I, you said about people or like yeah people a suitor like we're talking like okay what do we find attractive about someone um, that we want to be in a relationship with or just like a person in, in that, general? You know, that's a good question. It doesn't specify. Okay. Normally when I see attractive, I think relationship-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but however, it could be a, you know, a very platonic attraction. Yeah, it could be like, oh, this person really likes the same game as me. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I'm attracted yeah. to that quality. Mm-hmm. You know? So let's do both. Okay. Because right, yeah, that's what I was answering. Like, yeah. It's just general. Because you general. said people, I was just answering yeah. like, yeah. That's, yeah, that's fair. So for me, I would have probably said the same thing. I am attracted to like-mindedness, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't want a complete copy of myself. Exactly. They have to be somebody who brings something to the table, both as a friend and as a partner, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously my wife and I are not the same. She brings something to the table that I could never fulfill, mm-hmm. and I do the same. That, is, I think, is one of the key things of, of a steady and, and effective marriage. But we'll start with people. For me, yes, Having similar tastes is always good because we can kind of agree on things. But I personally like somebody who has a difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. So long as they're open-minded, which is my number one thing I look for. Mm-hmm. If somebody sees things differently than me, I think that's a blessing. If they see things different from me, but they don't like me because of my opinion, I don't want to be around that person. Despite no matter how interested I might be in their difference in their perspective because I always think different perspectives are very valuable there's no point in being around somebody who's going to hate me for my ideas yeah, I think society is really thrives on differences I, yeah. I, I don't think you can have a society that's all just you know one thing yeah I mean you 
could, but, but is it thriving? Yeah, it's not really thriving, and I feel like it's filled with a bunch of liars. It's, yeah. it's got one leader and a bunch of yeah. followers, basically. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But yeah, I, I agree. Definitely like-minded people with a difference of opinion. So mm-hmm. like, we can have the same. We can like the same thing. Like we both like cars, but mm-hmm. um, you like this brand of car. I like this brand of car. And then we can articulate our differences, like why I like this car, yeah. and then I'm like, yeah, I understand why you like that car, and um, but I like this car because of this reason. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, I understand why, but like we don't have to bump heads, you know. We exactly. Can both agree to disagree and not hate each other. Yeah, there's something to be gained from that, in, in on both sides. So that's what I would say is the first thing that I look for in terms of a friend. I would say partner as well but mostly in terms of a friend or like a colleague somebody that i would consider like as an equal mm. but what about in terms of a relationship what find what do you find attractive about in this case women um like initial meeting like sure okay it, it could be both right initial meeting and then what would keep you there okay well definitely initial meeting would just definitely be like the physical attraction right my physically attracted to this person can i see myself looking at this person all the time basically mm. um what would keep me there would be everything else, you know, mm-hmm. the intelligence, the creativity, the humor, all that stuff. So, like, you have to be able to be articulate. You have to be able to think for yourself because I don't like anybody who's just, you know, following me blindly. Yeah. Because I can't trust somebody who follows me blindly because mm-hmm. if, you, if, you, if you're a yes man, if you follow me blindly, who else are you following? Mm-hmm. And if you're that easy to control... Who else is controlling you yeah. and who else can take control over you mm-hmm. you know so i want you to be able to say no i want you to be able to um know what you want and go for that and if i get in your way you push through that so but at the same time like not so combative but the, right. just like you have an ambition if you want to um run a car dealership whatever and i'm like no it's a bad idea and then you're like okay i don't want to do it anymore <laughs> no, but instead, you're like, yeah, I want to do that. So this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And you can either, you know, help me or not. But I want somebody who's got conviction. Somebody who's, and again, humor. Somebody who can tell a good, not necessarily tell a joke, but just um, think outside of the box. And if I make a joke or if I say something mm-hmm. funny, you understand it. Like, you just get it, yeah. you know. So, it, yeah, I think for me... It is somebody, you know, somebody who I vibe with. I think that's an easy way to say it. Obviously, the first thing, got to have a big butt. Sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not really. Uh, but I do prefer that over, over yeah. large breasts. But <clears throat> I would say what keeps me there, of course, is going to be the personality. Right? They need to be able to kind of be in sync with me. That doesn't, doesn't mean that they agree with, it, with me whatsoever. I know, like, my wife and I, we fight. And that's fine, right? Because the biggest thing, and I think this is probably the most important thing of a relationship, is the fact that she can handle me, right? Mm-hmm. She can put up with all my mistakes. She can forgive all of my times that I'm late or times that I forget things, right? She loves me in spite of all of my uh, deficiencies, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you'll know right away. That's something you will gradually learn Mm-hmm. Right for those of you who are in a relationship, that's or, a good point too. Learning yeah. somebody who learns. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And not, not like learning, you know, the Fibonacci sequence, but like <laughs> learning what you lack, or you know, you know. For example, I seen this video 
where uh, this couple was at a table. It was um, there's a couple talking to another couple, mm-hmm. and then the girl she leaned over to pick up a spoon or something, and she was as she was getting up, the guy he was still talking. He put his hand on the corner of the table as she was getting up, so she doesn't accidentally hit her head. I so see. he just learned that she has there's a possibility she can get hurt. Mm-hmm. Like he's he was in tune with her. You know what I mean? So I think that's important to be in tune with your partner. That's a really to good be one. like an extension of your partner. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in a relationship and you're eating food and then like you um yeah, you're eating food and it's kind of a sloppy thing, and then your girl or your guy, whoever, they give you a napkin mm-hmm. before the food falls. Or they they see you looking around and they just hand you what you need. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like they, yeah. they're just one with you. They're, mm-hmm. they're just an extension of who you are. Yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah. My wife does that occasionally uh, and I do that with her as well. Like I know that when she sneezes, she always sneezes like three times. So I'm like, okay, bless you, bless you, bless you. And then mm-hmm. she's like, sneeze, sneeze, sneeze. So I know it's coming, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, I've been with her for 10 years and all that stuff. And at the same time, she knows like, I know, for example, when she says, oh, I'm going out with my friends, I'll be back at 7, I'm like, okay, I'll see you at midnight. Because mm-hmm. I know that around 7.30, she'll be like, yo, I'm having so much fun, uh, I'll be back later. I'm like, yeah, I know you will. <laughs> but I never I never go to bed until she's home, which is usually around midnight at those days. But it's fine because she doesn't go out very often, right? Mm-hmm. So even still, that's essentially the things that I find most attractive in terms of, of a, a colleague, an equal somebody who obviously has a like mind we share some kind of degree of similarity like obviously rossi here likes business and i like business right that's like mine how we go about it is different doesn't matter mm-hmm. he has valuable information and i probably have something that he could learn from mm-hmm. and that's the whole point in terms of a partner something similar my wife also all of a sudden has started to want to start her own business which is oh, i'm yeah. like i'm Maybe immediately she's, diving into that she's watching the podcast yeah she yeah, must be she's the, or i'm just rubbing off on her yeah <laughs> so um that's another thing but just somebody who you know yeah, can so, put up with your bs is a good way to put it <laughs> yeah definitely somebody who um i mean i guess i hear it all the time and it, honestly it's kind of corny but like your better half your other half you your know because there's things that you lack, and if they just fill in those gaps, well, you have to tell them. If they can do things without you having to tell them, that's an important quality. Yeah. And let's say you know you go out and you're meeting, or for me, if I'm if I go out and I meet like a, a girl, and what attracts me to that person, that girl is to um, the fact that she can is the give and take. She knows when to give and when to take, mm-hmm. and then we just kind of vibe off each other, like you said before. We just vibe. Yeah. It's, it's just a vibe, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to explain. You have to, you have to, to feel yeah. that vibe, you know? Yeah, you got to, I guess, experience it. Yeah, because I've been with people who um, have those, that seem to have those qualities to kind of like um, hand you something when you need it or something mm-hmm. like that. But like, it's just not, it's just not right. It's like yeah. something not there. Something's yeah. not clicking. Trust your gut, I guess. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the last topic. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just narrow this down between two because you've already mentioned you don't like writing, so I'm not going to put that as a topic. <laughs> so we'll go with either business or podcasts. All right, let's do business. Business. Good old business. 71 million people. A That's a lot. Popular, a, little a little bit, bit right? Just a little bit. It's only, yeah, it's only got like a, almost a third of the entire United States. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is a pretty decent one, I think. How is content writing relevant for business today? Hmm. I guess, um, I guess it's like a game plan, like a vision board 
is, I guess that's what they're kind of going for. Yeah. And what, why is that important? Because mm-hmm. you can see the vision. You yeah. can see the pathway, and you can keep track of the milestones. And, of course, you know, adjust as necessary. But um, it's the same, why, same reason why it's important for cartoons and, and, and video games. They have a vision board. They have, mm-hmm. like, they'll, a, like, a cartoon will draw out, um, like, comic book strips or whatever of the entire uh, movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they just fill in the blanks. Yeah. And same with the business. It's like, okay, we have this product. We want to get this product into Walmart or something like that. And here are the steps we're going to take. We're going to go into mom and pop shops, blah, blah, blah. And then that's your vision board, and you just kind of fill in the blanks as necessary. Oh, my gosh. So just kind of write, which basically um, will it into existence. Yeah. I mean, the way that I see it is content writing, at least as far as I understand, is you're writing out what what kind of content you want to give. And content is incredibly important nowadays in business because, you know, commercials are just for the most part, kind of a flop, right? Mm-hmm. Most people don't like commercials because it's like interrupting. So content in terms of social media content, right? YouTube, podcast, Spotify, Instagram, whatever the case is, right? All these different platforms where you are giving out entertainment for free, that is what I consider content, is super important because it establishes brand, right? Then the people don't have to pay to get to know you. You are basically telling them who you are by showing this this content and stuff like that. And if, you know, like we just talked about, if they vibe with you, they're going to want to actually start getting your purchasable services or products, whatever yeah, that even is. Even if you don't have any. Because they're like, yeah. hey, when are you going to make merch? You know? Yeah, that's yeah. that's when you know, right? Yeah. Like, bro, you need to get paid for this. Or like, hey, you know what? I have a crazy idea. Why don't you start selling shirts with your logo on it? I would totally buy that, mm-hmm. right? And then it has like 500 likes. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's an indicator you might want to do something like that. Yeah, people will get to the point where they have tattoos of brands that they like. <laughs> so it's like if you get people doing tattoos of your brand, you definitely need merch. Yeah. They, they want your brand on their body. That's yeah. what they're trying to tell you. Yeah, pretty much, right? Yeah. All right, so that's a good one for content writing. And also content writing keeps you on track. It keeps you from deviating, you know, detouring. Mm. Okay, let's see. That's another one. And I hope that's the question that was asked. I mean, it was... Some it, of the questions are, like, vague, but... It is a little bit, yeah. But it's just, how is content re- writing relevant? Mm-hmm. It's relevant because it, again, like you said, it's a game plan, right? You figure out the strategy. Like, first we'll do Instagram, and then we'll do these on posts, or we'll do YouTube, and then we'll cut that up in clips, mm-hmm. and we'll put those clips on YouTube Shorts and Instagram and TikTok, mm-hmm. right? That's how I would see it. Yeah. And then I'm explaining why content is actually relevant because it's, yeah, you got to do the work up front, and it's it costs you time, but the customer gets to know you and mm-hmm. they make a better judgment based off of yeah. that. Because I was also looking at it as uh, maybe not content. Maybe they're asking not necessarily why content writing is important, but why is content creation important? Right. Or not important, but irrelevant. And mm-hmm. to me, I think content creation is relevance. Like you're not relevant unless you're part of content Absolutely. creation. Absolutely, yeah. You know? uh, whether it is you're creating content or you're um, being created through the content. For example, you are the subject of a content creator or something mm-hmm. like that. So content creation is relevance. You, you're not relevant unless you're on TikTok, unless you're on YouTube, unless you're on Instagram, unless you're on Twitter. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one is actually goes back to our, our heydays of, mm-hmm. of the summit, which is how do I start my own business? Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. 
real quick. It does have a parentheses. English teaching courses. Hmm. So teaching courses. Yeah. Well, uh, I would say today, twenty twenty three, almost twenty twenty four. Uh, you can do Zoom mm-hmm. and get you a, a bunch of students. And first, you would have to canvas. You would have to do some kind of solicitating to different people that you know that want your your services mm-hmm. or people that know somebody who wants your services. Get them into a class, a Zoom class. Teach them. And then provide them with extreme value. And then once you give them enough value, they'll tell their friends and then, you know, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And just advertise, market, you know, all that. And you can even do, if you don't do Zoom, you can even do in-person classes. You can do like at a library, some kind of like common area meetup. And just just do it. So I have actually seen something similar to this. The first thing that I would say is make content. Right, you can make YouTube videos on your language courses. Now, assuming it says English teaching course, so I don't know if this is English language or English literature, mm-hmm. but let's just say, for example, it's English language, right? You wanna teach people to speak English. So you can use YouTube and videos to be like, hey, if you speak, I don't know, Farsi, and you wanna to learn to speak English, well, guess what? You can utilize this technique because maybe the language translates similar. Or if you speak Nordic or if you speak Spanish or Japanese and you want to learn to speak English, I'm going to make this really easy for you to learn the basic alphabet mm-hmm. and or teach you how to pronounce easier, right? Mm-hmm. All of these things. There's a, there's a million and different ways to speak a specific language. You throw all that out there, they get that information. And if they like that, <clears throat> then you can start saying, hey, uh, I have you know a seminar, which we usually say avoid these things. But mm-hmm. in this situation, because they already know that you're kind of you're good on your word, they can pay to come to the seminar and maybe now they get to network with other people who are like-minded, who want to be able to speak English better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe they could be of the same nationality or from different nationalities. So now they become trilingual, right? Maybe you have Japanese meeting with Mexicans and they Mm -hmm. both want to speak English and now they speak all three languages. Yeah, be a polyglot. Right. So So you can even like, it it can go both ways. Like if you're talking about English teaching or Mm -hmm. English literature. Yeah. Um, like you said, you can do content. You can give them free stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is how you. Uh, well, you can do like some kind of Rosetta Stone type deal. Right. Like show pictures or something, and like this is the car, or this is how you say car. This is how you write it. This is how you enunciate it. This is uh, how you say this word. This is how you enunciate. This is how you. Um, uh, this is the inflections you need to to make. Give that out for free. Mm-hmm. Basic like fundamentals. Give it all out for free. Because what's going to happen is the people who want your services are going to have that in their algorithm. Yeah. They're going to be looking it up. And then you're going to tell them something. Someone else is going to tell them something. Someone else is going to tell them something. Everybody's telling them the same thing. So only thing that sets you apart is, I guess, your personality or right. your, your style. But it's showing that you know what you're talking about because everyone else is saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're all agreeing with you. All the experts are agreeing with yep. you. So um, if you're local or whatever, or you, you can set up Zoom classes, you can do it that way. Like, hey, this... You teach them stuff for free, but then down in the link below, this is how you can get um, more in-depth knowledge and learn more the media, um, intermediate stuff or yeah. advanced stuff. So there's one thing I wanted to talk about real quick because there was a scenario that I, I don't know if it's a scenario, but it, it might be more of a story that I heard about where there was a college professor who was getting paid X amount of, of dollars per, I think per class, right? So he was maybe getting like, Two to three thousand dollars per class, and he had 
um, I don't know, maybe two or three classes uh, a month, something like that. It, it wasn't a whole lot. And these classes had like hundreds of students, like a hundred students per classroom because it's this big auditorium thinking thing. And so, but he, what he ended up doing was as a professor, he is required by the school to teach a very specific type of curriculum. He has to teach it the school's way, right? He doesn't have any kind of academic freedom to do things his own style. But what he did was he created a kind of, uh, what would you call it? Like a study center mm-hmm. where he's like, hey, I know this is what I teach. I'm going to teach it privately my own way. And it's going to be $50 a student. So you can pay 50 bucks. You can come hang out with me and study for, I think it's like three hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did it like two times a week. Believe it or not, this dude made significantly more money doing his little side gig, teaching mm-hmm. specifically how he teaches to basically the same students or even newer students than he actually did at the university. Mm. And so that's an idea that you can do. Like if you want to teach English and you're already an English teacher, think about ways that are effective for people to learn this and, but you're not really allowed to teach it this way because of the school's uh, required curriculum. Mm. Then you can utilize that strategy where it's like, Hey, um, you know, because again, we've talked about it. Most education systems are not really built to accommodate most people's learning style. Mm-hmm. It's mostly a uh, repeat and regurgitate kind of content where it's like, so I give you this, you business. remember it. Yeah, yeah. right. They're just well, trying to make money. Yeah. And so you, you know that. So now you are able to kind of attack it from different sides. We can use a haptic style feedback or you can do a visual learning, whatever suits your, your fancy and utilize that and then make it a pay per student instead of per classroom. Mm. And if you have, you know, 80 students show up for three hours at 50 bucks a pop, that's like four grand, right? Which is more than one classroom of 100 students, which was like $2,000. So do the math, right? Okay, let's go ahead and do one more question and we will be done for the day. Where was it? I just saw it. (laughs) Is Elon Musk pro-Israel because of business? That's not the question. That's just funny. Okay, here we go. This will be the last one. How can business leaders create a connection with their audience during speeches? Be relevant. Not relevant, but relatable. That's the key. Yes. yes. Be relatable. Uh, understand where people are coming from. Answer questions that you know people are wanting to ask. You know, before they even ask it. Mm-hmm. So then if you answer a question that you know that I'm thinking of, then I feel like you're in my head, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you understand me, you know, and, I, and then I can have a connection with that, that leader. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, one of the best ways to do it again is to understand your audience. You know that as a leader, your job is to serve and you serve by leading. So you are there to kind of accommodate all problems create an environment during your speech to show everybody that like they're all equal but everybody is different everybody has special specializations some people are better than others at some things and other people are better at other things sorry i kind of lost my train of thought there (laughs) but essentially you know establish a connection solve a problem for them immediately and then solve the following problem that will happen after you've solved that problem so for example if i said something and this is not what i would say at the speech but it's like um Hey, I, I figured out how to fix your car. And then at the same time, because I know that once you get your car fixed, the next problem could be something along the lines of like fixing your seatbelt or mm-hmm. whatever it is. 
and then you fix that problem before that problem even comes up right mm -hmm. so that's another way to basically tell them during your speech like hey this is how we're going to do it convey your vision to them let them know like what the standards are of course like unless it's it's your business and you want to do things your own way i'm assuming that as a leader you're probably in someone else's business so you have to do things their way but convey their message in a way use storytelling is one of the most effective techniques in terms of um, convincing people so mm -hmm. make it real right and make the anecdotes, yeah. yeah make the story about them so that way they can be like hey he's literally talking about a story about me like this is my story even if the scenario may be somewhat different the similarities in it could be so striking that the audience all of a sudden realizes or believes that you are telling their story to them mm -hmm. right that that's going to be who they are or that is who they are and that's a really good way to get your your message across yeah, anything else? Uh, that's it. All right. So, go ahead and put this away now. That is going to do it for today's episode of the Summit. I hope you all enjoyed. And if you would like, we do have a Patreon set up at patreon.com slash summit. What is it? Summit Podcast JP. I still forget that every time. And all the content available there is free for the first week. And if you'd like to continue to support us, you can do so for only a dollar a month. And we would love to hear some feedback from you all on how we can possibly improve this content that we provide to you. But without that, or I, I say that to you sometimes, but with that out of the way, that's what I meant to say, mm -hmm. uh, that's going to end it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And tune in next time. Who knows what we're going to talk about. But until then, my friends, keep on climbing. <laughs>